0: It is such a nice evening out, I feel like I'm living in a postcard picture. There's not a cloud in the sky except over towards the horizon. All those sky colors, singing as if they were calling to someone or something. The humidity is dissipating while this day comes to a close. The deck overlooking the Oklawaha River faces slightly west, just enough to catch the last of the day when the sun is on its way to brighten some other place on the planet. The world of night sounds is alive and well. It would seem what lives across the river in the woods won't be ignored this late evening. If you listen carefully, you can faintly hear the conversation going on between the creek and the river at the intersection where the smaller one meets the larger one singing softly. Like someone speaking at a distance and you can't quite make out what they're saying. You only know there is a dialogue going on. The greater includes the lesser. When the breeze picks up, the old oaks and pines occasionally groan against the inclination to change. But the more they stay the same, the more they change. I doubt they care much, really. Our owl pair have returned briefly. I heard them earlier calling after each other. They disappeared for a while. Maybe they went on vacation or something. Our own cricket tribe is calling to us through the cracks under the floorboards of the deck. Maybe they're prophesying of coming rain, or maybe just singing because it's dark and it's time to sing. I reckon it seemed a safe place to live. Everybody's got to live somewhere, right? Even crickets. Such a beautiful sunset. And for the grand finale of the day, there's supposed to be a full moon tonight. (laughs) Yeah, God is absolutely brilliant, isn't he? I'm Social Porter and this is Outposts. Cool jazz and contemplated conversation. Our topic tonight is based on Philippians 3. 7 to 14 All for Jesus all I am and have and ever hope to be We have forgiveness for the sake of Christ's blood The Lord hears our prayers for the sake of Jesus And God no longer remembers my sins for the sake of the reconciling work of Jesus the Christ of God All for Jesus all I am and have and ever hope to be. I'll be right back. Luke fifteen thirteen, and not many days after the younger son gathered all his stuff together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Psalm 53, 1, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. I remember a guy who told me, he said, you know, even the Bible says there is no God. And I said, Yeah, did you read the verse before it? It says, Woe to them that say Let's take scripture in context. Think see, C C concept content context. Many years ago there was a young man who grew up in a rural community. At an early age, as a joke to prove there was no God, he prayed the sinner's prayer with a street preacher. Then he jeered in the man's face and called the man a fool for believing God. Threatened the man with violence if he ever spoke the name of Jesus in his presence again. In his foolish youth, he thought he was being tough. Mm -hmm. How little he knew. He was not one for deep thinking much, but more known for his living in the moment often not thinking of the consequences of his actions. He was bright and creative and enjoyed the work of his hands, even as a child. He was usually a good kid, but he sure wreaked havoc on his parents. More than likely, he suffered from OCD. And had it been our current day, I'm pretty sure his parents would have given him over to drug therapy. Well, but that's not what happened. Instead, they put him to work to keep him busy. One time, his dad was so upset with his son's inability to focus and a very, very active imagination that he threatened to send him to reform school himself. Eventually, the young man found identity with rebellious people who introduced him to... Drugs, alcohol, carousing, stealing, and all other late-night mischief, of course. Sometimes the young man took LSD and amphetamines just to slow down enough to do life. You know, in most all places, not much good happens after about 10 or 11 p.m. So the young man took to living life after 11 p.m. You know, it seemed exciting. When he graduated from high school, which was a miracle in itself, straight away he joined the Navy. Of course, there he met other young men comparable to himself, and he sank deeper into a drug and alcohol dependent life of growing loneliness and despair. I need help. While in the Navy he became heavily involved with hallucinogenics and heroin users, gladly becoming one of them, for in his mind he simply wanted to be part of something even if it was a bad something. So silly. eventually, during a night of partying he took too much of his drug of choice, and he died. His friends, if you could call them that, left him out behind the house and gathered all their stuff which would identify themselves and left him. Yeah, real pals. They just picked up his corpse and took it out behind the house and laid it between the yard and the edge of the house. Hopefully no one would notice it for a while. Real Real pals. 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 God had a different plan though, for the next morning he breathed again after many hours of being a gray-blue corpse. His so-called buddies were frightened upon seeing him, but soon they were getting loaded again and all was forgotten and forgiven. Ecclesiastes 4.10 But woe to him who is alone when he fails, for he has no one to help him up. Months later he had a party at his apartment and once again, he overdosed on heroin. That was Thursday evening. Sunday morning, he drew a breath for the first time since Thursday. He woke up pale, cold, hungry, and naked, laying on a mattress in the bedroom. His house was cleaned out. Everything was gone. His furniture was gone. The pictures were gone. His quote-unquote friends had stolen everything, again. The stereo, the TV, all the music, the pots and pans and silverware, all his clothes except his military uniform, and all the food from the kitchen. Then they took the toilet paper and the light bulbs. Tra- yeah, even the toilet paper and the light bulbs. The house had been swept clean and wiped down. Seeing the large bruises on his chest, he thought maybe he'd been beaten up. He got dressed in the only clothes he had and walked down the street to see a buddy, who jolted in fright when the door was opened. The buddy told the young man that he had died on Thursday night. No pulse, no breath, just gray, blue, and dead, dead, dead the man said they had beat on his chest to make his heart pump but nothing helped so they cleaned up the house laid the body on the bed and left slowly it dawned on the young man who was far from home and family he had been dead for three days it didn't even cross his mind the Lord in his mercy prevented his death again Luke 15, 17-18 When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Nice speech. hard drugs. After all, he had been dead twice because of drug overdoses, and something just clicked in him. Uh, Yeah, imagine that. Of course, though, that did not change his drinking habits, for he was just carrying on a four-generation family tradition of substance abuse and alcoholism. One night, a year later, He had been on another drinking binge and walked into the military barracks' dorm. He staggered into the room, and upon closing the door behind him, he noticed he was all alone in the room. For the first time in his young life, he became aware of such a sad place in his heart. It was unbearable. From over his right shoulder in the late night, Alone in the room in the dark, he heard someone whisper, Why don't you give your heart to Jesus and ask him into your life? For some reason, he didn't think it was an odd thing to think. It actually seemed reasonable. So he got on his knees and asked the Jesus that he despised up to this point for forgiveness and to please take over. Suddenly, it was as if a thousand pounds was lifted off his back. He got into bed, and for the first time in years, he rested. I mean, he slept, and he really, really actually rested. Now, here's where this testimony gets odd. He woke up in the morning, refreshed, and new to the world that was bright and clear and did not remember he prayed that prayer for two years. But, over the course of the two years following that night, he stopped drinking. He stopped doing any and all drugs. He stopped chasing girls and changed all his friends. It just seemed like a good idea to him, you know? He stopped being doggedly rebellious and And began speaking without profanity. In fact, he said he kind of wondered if he could get through an entire day without using profanity, and it became a challenge and a kind of a fun game. Not because of some legalistic morality, but because he was consciously choosing. Mm, Something Something was different. different. Before he got out of the Navy, he realized he was a new man. He had come to realize who it was who spared his life and delivered him from death and hell's gate. It was Jesus. for many people. Many times we just need a firm foot provided so we can set our foot against it in order to find the necessary purchase to change direction. Life and destiny can easily change with the turn of our foot to a different direction. Ultimately, it is the foot of the Savior who in His mercy provides us a pivot point. Even when all our closest most relied on friends have gone. Jesus gives us his firm hand to grip to. From the days of the young man's rebellion to his time of knowing Jesus, he counted all his past as a huge waste. All dreams of possessions and wealth ebbed out of his mind and heart. All dreams of being famous, noteworthy, validated, and important. He abandoned and chased after Jesus with all his heart. The young man had gone from a prodigal, rebellious, hard-hearted son, from a slave of sin and Satan to becoming a brother and servant of Christ. This was another first in his life in that the right person was in control of his life. Jesus, first and last, he felt like he had a point and a purpose. Going back to his old life was no longer an option. In fact, in his mind, the words were firmly planted No going back to Egypt is allowed. You know, as long as going back is an option, we are still snared in our addictions. Philippians 3 7 10. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death. was that young man many years ago, the sorriest lost sheep you ever saw. When Jesus became obvious to me, I was like a homing pigeon, and my only instinct was to go home. Those were terrible days of self-loathing, confusion, and chaos. I was chained to the deliciousness of sin, much like the prodigal son. But let's also look at the older brother and consider He just stayed in the yard while the father and the younger brother went in the house to party Friends, let us not think sleeping and living on the porch is the same as being in the house Before Jesus, I had no clue what to do, how to act, what to say, or where to go I just breathed with every day and mindlessly went forward with no plan about tomorrow. But standing here now, many years later, I see the hand of the Lord all through my life. By way of my rearview mirror, I easily recognize the Lord speaking to me as a child, defending me when I was just so ignorant, and believe me, I was ignorant of most everything. In fact, I was ignorant to the point that I died twice. Let me make a note here that the root of ignorance is the word ignore, and I completely ignored everything that was wise, honest, and good. I see the vision of God playing in me even before I ever thought about Jesus. I had God dreams and God ideas even as a child and didn't know it was the Lord who was working. I remember my cousin telling me the gospel story once and his voice was like someone murmuring at a distance. I just couldn't hear it. It is easy to see now that when I prayed with the man to receive Jesus and then made fun of him, I believe God took me seriously and pursued me with all of heaven in his wake to bring me home. Galatians 6 7 God is not mocked. This is to all the desperados and traitors out there. You can come home. It's time to come home. Jesus is waiting just for you with open arms. There is always room for the humble repentant to come home. And there is no pit deep enough that the saving hands of Jesus can't reach you. So if you think you're too bad or too far, put that out of your mind, that's not true. Robin Mark wrote a song. The lyrics are, Jesus, all for Jesus, all I am and have and ever hope to be. All of my ambitions, hopes and plans I surrender these into your hands, for it's only in your will that I am free. Jesus, all for Jesus, all I am and have and ever hope to be. Philippians three thirteen 13-14 But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now that right there, that is the truth. I do not think of myself as having arrived, but like Arthur Burton once said, I have not arrived, but I can assure you I have left. It is not possible that I can sit across the table from everyone and ask. So I'll ask your conscience to reflect my words, leaving your own heart to answer the question Do you really serve Christ? Or is it more that you merely enjoy hearing, you enjoy singing, and enjoy telling others you go to church and tithe? When you're in the great congregation at your church and you stand to sing, do you know why you stand? Or is it because that's what everyone else does? Or maybe because it's what you're told to do? What is your story of how you met Jesus? What have you done with the gifts and the fruit of your relationship with the Lord? You say you're a Christian, but how can you tell? I asked a man who was mowing our yard once. I asked him, I said, so I believe you said you were a Christian. He said, yes. I don't know, I just, it just seemed like a good idea. How can you tell? And he kind of looked at me for a moment. and Then he said, well, I've always got my faith. And I thought to myself, what does that mean? So I told my wife the situation and how I had asked him, how can you tell? And she got kind of angry with me. She said, how dare you ask someone a question like that? And I thought, well, it maybe it was a little obvious, but gosh, it seemed like a really good idea. I didn't see anything wrong with it. So I'm asking you only because I ask myself the same question. I say, I'm a believer. Well, how can you tell? What is your story of how you met Jesus? What have you done? inventory is a good idea sometimes, and we must be honest about our inventory. Take the truth of ourselves to the Lord, and let Him heal our wounded conscience, and make our hearts well again. And right there, I'll say, think about it. serve Christ in what they do. They just go about it all as a part of the general routine of their existence. You know, it's the legitimate thing to do, to go to a place of worship. Therefore they go. Some, I fear, give service in a party spirit. They serve and they think it is Christ they are serving. But in fact, it is their own denomination or group. They're in love with their brand and the Lord is over on the side somewhere. Many of them would be almost vexed to hear of the Lord being honored among any other sort of Christians. They hope there will be a revival, but they would like it to be pretty nearly confined to the walls of their own church group. That's called serving a clique, not Christ. Where do you stand? Are you all for Jesus, all you are and have and ever hope to be? Some, I fear, give service to showing up, sing a few songs, give a little money, listen to some preaching, go home after a little prayer and feel good about themselves and say they've gone to church. They're still in love with their brand. It's a routine. I'm Social Porter, and this has been Outposts, broadcast live from the cascading banks of the Ocklawaha River, where the river runs long and smooth, the trees gently hang over the river's edge, and every evening is pleasant. Music was by Andreas O'Berg, Andreas Wollenweiter, Yellow Jackets, Joe Sample, and Jazz for a Rainy Day. All music uses licensed by BMI. This production has been brought to you by Living in His Name Ministries, Eddie down at Area 22 Guitars, the amazing and creative team at WK Studios, and Jeff and Karen at Trinity Bakers, where there's always something good in the oven. What What is your testimony? testimony? Do Do you have have one developed? developed? Can you tell about the time you met Jesus and he changed your life? Or is it just a general tale with no definition, no defined beginning? And I'm here to say that's not such an odd question, because if you ask people what their testimony is, you'll meet a lot of people that can't actually tell you their testimony. They're sure they're saved, but they can't actually tell you when it happened or how it happened. Some say, oh, I've always just been this way. If you belong to Jesus, then somewhere along the line, you had to choose. No one becomes a child of God because their parents were, or that somehow they've defined themselves as a good person. I must admit, I find it disturbing when someone says they can't think of a time they've ever repented and asked Jesus into their lives, but yet they're still a Christian. Oh, yes, they're sure. Oh, I'm positive. I'm a believer. And that they just always have been like that. However, that is. Take the time to write down your testimony. It's important to know about your life with Christ from its beginning. Drive carefully this week. Watch out for your neighbor. Ask the Lord in your prayer time to open your eyes to know Him more. After all, where would you be without Jesus? Seriously. Where would you be without Jesus? Have a great and prosperous weekend go with God.
1: Amen.